Mailbag Monday is back. We're talking about eliminating those corner three-pointers that I talked about, Brad Stevens' future, a script that the Celtics could follow, and fun rules changes. It's all right now on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network where it's your team every day and I'm here for you every Monday through Friday. We're back to the daily grind Monday through Friday for you. So take us with you to work, to getting ready for work, to school, whatever it is. I'm just happy that you're doing it on a Monday through Friday basis. Thank you for making me part of your daily routine. I'm John Corrales. I played ball a long, long time ago. Now my job is to cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal and talk about them for you here on the podcast. Today's a mailbag Monday, so we're opening it up. Uh, later on, we'll have some fun, some fun rules changes, not rules changes that are actually going to happen, but things I would love to see because it would be so cool. Talk about that later. Uh, the writers are on, on strike, but I get to write a script for the Celtics that would be kind of cool for this season, Brad Stevens' future. Uh, and we'll begin the whole first segment. I did a podcast last week saying I want to eliminate corner three-pointers. That one I actually want to happen. And so there are people who ask a lot of questions about that. Today's show brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Right now, you new customers, you can bet $5. That's it. And you get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started my whole thing about oh my whole thing about the the eliminating the corner three-pointer is just i think it's too it's it's too easy a shot to to be getting three points basically the crux of it is it's a 22 footer it's too easy for guys to hit that and still get three pointers when the top of the key is 23 nine I want to eliminate that. I think you just keep the top of the key. You continue that that curve down to the sidelines. You don't go straight down. You don't have that break. And let the two-point let, let guys figure it out in that two-point line. The they we have decades of the corner three not being an emphasis, and there was good basketball. They can figure it out. You want to listen to that podcast? It was last Wednesday. So it was last week, Wednesday podcast. Well. The questions started pouring in. So here are a few of them. Starts with Brixen, who says, uh, somebody in the comments suggested players be awarded two free throws for a foul on a made layup, resulting in a potential four-point play, mitigating the heavy reliance on the three ball. What are your thoughts? I don't want to mess with the game to potentially... I don't want to recalibrate the, the reliance on the three by piling on more kind of goofiness. I understand if you if you say, hey, drive, try to finish through contact. If you get the end one, you can get a four-point play out of that. I understand the thought process. That, that that's that's too much though. That that's I, I think the three-pointer just going down 23-9 to the just right to the sidelines is enough. You don't have to mess with how many free throws or 
point values or anything like that. It's it's a simple, simple fix. You still have a, a line where if you hit from behind there, that's a special kind of shot and you should get an extra point for it. But because the three, you know, three is so much more than two, it's 50% more points if you make that one shot. To get that shot down the sidelines, that 22-footer, makes no sense for me. Uh, now, Tanner says, what are your thoughts on expanding the sideline so the corner three feet is 23 with the extra space behind it? Uh, that, I think, I, I didn't include that as part of my argument because I just don't see the court dimensions changing. They're not going to remove a row of seats. And they're not going to, even if you say, well, they'll just push, you're basically losing a row up top. But you're not, you're, you're, you're still losing an entire row up and down the sidelines. And I, 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 that's a lot of money. That's just a lot of money over the course of a season. And even if it's the top row of the lower bowl, those are still expensive seats. And you, anything that costs them money is not going to happen. Now, it would be the easiest solution. That would be actually probably a better solution. Widen the floor by a few feet, which I would love anyway. Widen it by three feet on each side. And then push the, whatever the, 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 I didn't do the math on this, but whatever it is, and then have the, the three pointer still be 23, nine. So you're adding three feet. You're adding two feet to the three pointer. You're adding a little extra space on the sideline. Perfect solution for me. I think the players have gotten so big and fast and, and all of that, that having that little tiny wedge on the sideline, I'm sick of seeing guys step out of bounds. So I would love love to have the the floor widened that would be a more uh palatable solution to me than even eliminating the corner three pointers you just make it 23 9 and all across the board that changes a lot like guys that are kind of iffy above the break but were great on the corners well hey guess what now you're iffy all over the place and things change so i would love to do that not going to happen though. My eliminate the corner three would happen before they widen the floor. Uh, but if they, if they want to widen the floor, I'm a hundred percent on board miles. Last one on the corner three pointers, instead of removing the corner threes, what about removing defensive three seconds? FIBA seems to have less corner threes, but that could also be the different, the different three point line. Uh, FIBA is a shorter, but it's uniform three-point line, I believe. It's it's the same. I don't think it's 22 feet, but it's closer than the NBA. I, I didn't, I should have looked this up, but uh so they their three-pointers uniform around the perimeter. So that changes a lot. You don't have to have the corners. The corner three is there, and so the emphasis on the corner three is there because it's a 22 foot shot. It's one foot, nine inches closer to the basket. And a lot of guys think about Kevin Garnett. Remember when Kevin Garnett would take those top of the key jumpers and it was like, dude, just step back two feet. And it's a three pointer. Just take the three pointer. And he never wanted to take the three. Well, if 
if he was in the corner, that would be a three-pointer. Those shots that are infuriating because they're a step in from the three-point line. Well, now on the corner, they're they're normal. They get your extra point there. I don't think that's reasonable. I don't think that ever should have been the case. So I want to fix that. Um, I don't think eliminating the defensive three seconds. Uh, I think the zone has kind of you. You can kind of skirt the defensive three second rule anyway in the in, in the NBA. You can kind of just tap a guy that's coming through. Uh, if if you see a guy. Watch Brooke Lopez play defense. He does this a lot. If a guy is coming through the lane, just cuts through the lane, and you're standing in the middle, all you got to do is touch the guy. You touch that guy, you're guarding him. Now you now your three-second count starts over because you can guard somebody in the lane for more than three seconds. Like if, if that person comes into the lane for two seconds and you switch on to another person and you're in the lane for six seconds, it doesn't matter if you've switched to two, three different people. That still is, um, you still have that uh, ability to stay in the lane. So if a guy just cuts through, you just tap him, you're now guarding him for that split second, and your count starts over. You can kind of game the three-second rule. It's not exactly the same as FIBA. Uh, I don't think any of that that makes a material difference. To me, the issue is... The corner three-pointer is too close. 22-foot jumper should not give you 50% more points. That's it. A 22-foot jumper should not give you 50% more points. 23-9 is the minimum now. That's where you get your, your extra points. 22 feet from the corner, it's too easy to get 50% more points. So it becomes just a three-point shooting contest. I don't want that. That's why I want the corner three gone. Done. End of story. Up next, Brad Stevens' future uh, and that script, uh, the Celtics. Uh, I'm going to write a, a little script for the Celtics. A shout-out, by the way, before I go, to Marcus Smart, who got married uh, over the weekend. Pictures coming out of there are hilarious because uh, one that I shared on the Lockdown Celtics Twitter of Tatum, Missoula, and Brad Stevens looks like uh, an album cover. It's amazing. I can't wait to see more of those photos coming out. Anytime the guys get together and dress up and get to take goofy photos, they're always gems. But shout out to Marcus Smart. I know he's no longer a Celtic, but uh, until I see him in a Memphis uniform, I still, I'm still holding on for a second. But shout out, congratulations, congratulations to him on getting married. All right, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the place to go. For NFL betting, NFL season, I'm recording this as the Celtics are I mean, as the Celtics as the Patriots are currently down 17-3 to the Miami Dolphins. You want to throw some money on whoever the Patriots are playing? Go for it. If you're a new customer, you can drop five dollars onto a, uh, a a bet, whatever you want to bet on. You get 200 in bonus bets. That's guaranteed. That's how you become America's number one sports book. $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get into the action right now. The app, spectacularly easy to use. So easy. And so many betting options. Spreads, player props, over-unders, everything you can think of. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of 
the NFL. Just ask you if you're going to do it. Please gamble responsibly. Thank you for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. I want to ask you to listen to the Locked On NBA podcast. Locked On NBA, I'm hosting it on Wednesdays with Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans. Rotating host all week long. It's a good show. It's fun. A look at the NBA. Uh, we've been going five days a week on Locked On NBA all offseason. This is Locked On Network is giving you so much podcasting. Uh, it's it's great. Uh, and hey, if you're into the NFL, your favorite team is covered there too. So Locked On, whatever your favorite team is, check it out. Back to the mailbag. Let's see what Evelyn has to ask. With how much Brad Stevens has been involved with the Celtics since moving on from Butler, has he reached the ceiling of his career aspirations? I hope he sticks around, but will he try to climb higher up the corporate ladder? So that's interesting question about I, I have never spoken to Brad Stevens about this I don't know that he even uh, aspired to be a general manager when he came into Boston I think he expected to be a coach and this this president of the basketball operations general manager role kind of obviously just fell into his lap it scratches an itch that he definitely had from the other side of team building when you're a coach in college, you get to kind of be both things. You get to coach. You have to put your team together by recruiting, and you you get to make a lot of these decisions on your own. Now, in the NBA, he's doing a lot of that. Uh, he, he obviously has is putting the team together, and he doesn't have to coach. Uh, I think the coaching side of it, he really got burnt out fast. COVID messed with him. Um, it cost him a lot of time with his family and, and he just, that's not something that I think he was very happy about. Uh, Brad, if nothing else is a strong family, man. His son is going to college. He's got a younger daughter. Uh, I think my guess, just knowing how these things go once both kids are in college and they're kind of grown up and they kind of, they're, they're, they're kind of gone anyway. I think things will open up for Brad Stevens professionally. What does that mean? I have no idea, but I think the option of going back to the sidelines, if he is so inclined, I think that opens up when he sees both kids gone empty nest and he's not disrupting their lives by moving around. Right. I think that's the last thing he wanted to do. If they're in college, it doesn't matter where they go home to. You live in Boston, you live in Denver, you live in wherever. It doesn't matter. Um, if he's in Boston for the rest of, his, rest of his career, great. If he loves this job so much that he doesn't want to do anything else, great. Does What does moving, you know, uh, climbing the corporate ladder mean beyond this? Not much beyond running a team at this point unless he works for the league, uh, in which case I would assume he moves to New York. But for now, at least for the next couple of years, two, three years, uh, I think he's in Boston. I think he's comfortably in Boston. And then from there, he can he can see where he is. Uh, it's I, I don't have the empty nest thing happening. Um, I've never like I don't have my own uh, children. Uh, I have a teenage stepson, but the the empty nest thing is uh, you know play plays with people so i don't know i don't know what he's what he's going to be uh dealing with so that'll be interesting it'll be interesting once his daughter goes to college 
um, and see where his head's at. Maybe, maybe, like I said, maybe he just loves Boston so much that he won't want to leave. And any, anything's possible at that point. Uh, Emily says, heading into the season, are there any teams that analysts are sleeping on? Any teams that are expected to be bad that have the potential to shine? Um, sleeping on. There's so many good teams. And I think things can change. There, there are trades that are still out there, right? There's the James Harden trade that's still out there. There's the Damian Lillard trade that's still out there. Uh, if Miami doesn't work out for Dame, if the Clippers, uh, let's say, that, that seems to be the, the destination most commonly mentioned with James Harden, if that doesn't pan out for him, where else does he go? Does does he stay in Philly? Does Dame stay in 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 uh, Portland? Does he go somewhere else? Does he does he go to Brooklyn? Things can change in a in a heartbeat. So, but sleeping on, uh, you know, I don't think people expect Toronto to be very good. Uh, maybe average, mediocre. Maybe they could be better. Uh, Scotty Barnes has the potential to be a a really 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 good player. You know, with uh, it depends on what they do with Pascal Siakam because that's a potential trade to be watching for this season. Uh, if if they keep Siakam, you know, that Siakam, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, you know, Dennis Schroeder, just coming off a, a M- MVP performance in the World Cup, maybe he is, uh, f- you know, feeling confident after that, and maybe maybe he has some impact on on uh, what what's going on there. Maybe Toronto could be a tougher out than, than people think. Brooklyn is a team that's kind of kind of be all over the place. Maybe maybe they could be better than people thought. So sleeping on maybe those two teams, bad teams that can be tough. I'm looking at Detroit. Uh, I don't know if Orlando counts as a bad team anymore. I think they're expected to be tough. Indiana seems to be the 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 team that it it doesn't. It, I don't think it fits the analysts are sleeping. I think I think what analysts might be saying is, Hey, maybe watch out for Indiana. So I don't think they're sleeping on Indiana, but that might be a team that people are thinking like, well, they're not that great. And and they might be, they might be decent. So those are the teams that I'm, I'm thinking, um, out West OKC is a team that people expect to be, I think a team last year from last year that was, you know, look, they were fighting for the play-in, right? They, they got into that play-in uh, maybe, maybe I think everybody expects them again, Shea Gilgis Alexander coming off an incredible world cup. He's a superstar. Uh, they're, you know, they, they get Ch- Chet Holmgren back. So maybe that's a team that people are kind of maybe not sleeping on, but a team that wasn't all that great last year, but can make some noise this year. Uh, but I don't know. It, it, it's, I'll say that it, it's up in the air because of the trades and I, I have no idea how this new CBA is going to impact the league's business. So there, there are things that can happen that all of a sudden a team that might not be so good to start the season makes a move. And it's like, Oh no, wait a minute. Watch out for these guys. So that's my best answer there. Edward, if the NBA had a script, like many people joke about, how would you write the ideal script for the season and or for the Celtics to get the best outcome. All right, let's write a script for the Celtics. I mean, the ideal script for the Celtics is come out, dominate from the beginning. Jason Tatum's the MVP. Celtics win 60 games and, 
you know, march their way through the playoffs and win a championship. The, the absolute ideal script for the Celtics is an easy one, right? You come out strong, you, you play a balanced offense. The defense is better than we thought. Uh, Jason Tatum takes another step forward and, and really steps into that MVP and they dominate. That's very simple. That's the simplest script. Now, if you want to have some drama in there, then you probably have uh, an injury. Maybe there's a, a stretch in January where the Celtics uh, play without Tatum. Tatum actually ends up missing some time, and then he comes back and leads the Celtics to a uh, you know a, a, a huge February and March, and they overtake the Milwaukee Bucks in the, the last second. I think there's a late game in there that they could, they overcome Milwaukee and then they, they march through the playoffs. Um, there could be a, a script like the, the 08 Celtics face where they were really good in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden seven game series in the opening round struggle. And it's like, here we go again. I think if we want that redemption arc, if we want to get that, um, the, the story of, Hey, overcoming issues of the past, the Celtics look good all season long. They struggle in the first round of the playoffs. Again, they go to seven games in the set. They, they lose games that they should win again. And then you get to the conference finals and all of a sudden they start to figure it out and it becomes like a, Oh my God, they're learning. That might be the best script for them. Uh, if you want to add NBA elements to that, Damian Lillard ends up going to Miami and the Celtics face Miami in the conference finals again, and they end up beating Miami in the conference finals, uh, with Dame. And, uh, that, I think that would be a good part of the script. I think uh, going through Philadelphia again would be a fun part of the script. Cause I love to see <laughs> I, I keep my impartiality for for everything except watching Philly lose. I, that's it. I can't I can't help it. it. It's the process. It's the process is what it is. It's the whole thing. It's that whole uh, that that just soured me so much that until Embiid retires, I, I will forever be so disdainful of the process that anytime Philly loses, I'm all in on that. That's how much the process bothered me. So those are the elements of the script that I think would be good for Boston uh, to get the best outcome. You have to overcome some adversity, right? You have to keep the season interesting. As much as I would say I would love for uh, Boston to run through the whole thing and and be a 60-plus win team, part of me says, like, no, nah, if, we're, if we're writing a script and I can script the ending – then you got to have some drama in the middle of it to keep it interesting, right? It's got to be something. Uh, they got to go cold from three. Joe Mazzulla has to stick with the no timeout thing. Something has to be like people have to still, you know, Marcus Smart torches them in, in the, the return to, in his uh, first game in Memphis. And there's like, you know, stuff like that. The, you, the There's like some regret, like, oh God, did this not, did this, was this trade not great? Uh, maybe Porzingis doesn't mesh right away, but overcoming the adversity is always a great storyline. 
So that's that's kind of where I'm going with this. If we're writing a script and the script ends with Boston winning a championship, well, then you can mess with the middle of it and and put some drama in there because people like drama and keeps things interesting. But for the no no sweat, no stress, no nothing, 60-plus win season, yeah, I, I think everybody in Boston would just say, let's just sign me up for that and be done with it. We'll come back. We'll have a little bit of fun. The All-Star Game, a tweak to the All-Star Game, uh, rules that would be fun. And the reason why I'm wearing this hoodie, if you're watching on YouTube, that's all coming up next. Would love to have you check out the Locked On uh, Fantasy Basketball Podcast after you're done with this podcast. Josh Lloyd is the GOAT, the best at analyzing, breaking it down, and getting you set up for your fantasy league. So check out Lockdown Fantasy Basketball. I'm telling you, you you can't be in fantasy basketball and not have Josh's analysis to help you out. Back to the mailbag to finish this uh, show off here. Kenneth, don't you think the All-Star game would be much more lively, exciting, and intense if they make it USA versus the world? Even if it was no bearing, they would be playing for pride, so they would play harder. In theory, yes, but there's a flaw with this idea. The best players in the NBA, yes, the high-level all-stars, the, the best of the best, have been international players. However, with 12 guys per team, you're really putting a, you're putting a lot of pressure on finding 12 guys to make the all-star team as international players. You can find, I think last year there were eight, which is great, but there's four players that deserve all-star appearances that wouldn't have gotten them because you got to find an international player to round out the bench for the all-star. I I do understand the concept, and I think if we get to a point where there is enough, where where we're just kind of choosing, the, if we're getting to a point where there's no um no risk of costing deserving all stars spots, so you can fit this kind of USA versus the world. If we can get to that point then then yeah sure but until then i i think you have to stay with now i'm not all that thrilled with team captain versus team captain and you you pick it up uh that's not always i don't i don't like that necessarily either um it kind of got that way because east versus west so many teams in the west were stacked that it, it just um it it seemed unfair but, but, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent. I just don't like the all-star game as much. I, I, I don't mind all-star Saturday, but all-star game right now, it's, it's, you know, not really much fun. The last one, yeah, Tatum scored like 50 or whatever. And you know, that was great, but he just hit a bunch of shots. There wasn't a basketball game. All right. Uh, Hey, Simon Jovian shadow, uh, good day from down under. Fun one for you. What rules would you impl implement that would be awesome? And he suggests a couple. How about 
in the last two minutes of a quarter, a player taking a free throw can choose to forego the free throws for a half-court shot worth five points. Hey, that would be interesting. Late in the game, you know, you you get fouled, you're down. You you know, if you're down by 15, late in the you know, last two minutes, you have an opportunity to uh, to get back to get back and and I don't know maybe guys practice hit half court shots NBA players can hit half court shots fairly easily actually more more easily than you think so interesting concept that would that would be now you can see the idea here this isn't an actual rule change these are awesome things that could happen so um, I think that is possible. Uh, how about foul buyback? Anytime in the game, a foul can be bought back by a team. So if Tatum gets a sixth foul in a game and, and has 20 points, they can buy the foul and Tatum's points uh, go down by 10. So the team total goes by, down by 10. Tatum gives up 10 points to get that foul back. Uh, I, awesome concept. Awesome concept. Uh, you can buy a foul back for, I don't know, if 10 points seems like a lot. Uh, because then you can only buy back the the fouls of certain guys that have scored that many points. Uh, but if you can come up with that, that another seven points, six points, five points, uh, I like that idea. I love the idea of, okay, fine. We don't want Tatum fouling out. He's got 20 and we're up by uh, 17 or we're up by, or uh, whatever. And and it's, it's, we're, we're not fully comfortable do you feel comfortable keeping him in the game and saying, hey, we'll we'll keep the lead? Or are you afraid that you're going to lose the lead? There's some coaching areas in there that could be interesting. All right. I like those, I like those suggestions, suggestions. My two things that I would love to see that won't happen. Number one, rule change, hockey style substitutions on the fly. No more waiting for a timeout. After it's got to be after a make, and they both got to be in the backcourt, right? So Celtics come down, Jason Tatum makes a three-pointer, in comes O'Shea Brissett, Jason Tatum just walks off the floor, Brissett comes in, boom, Tatum comes out for a rest, up and down play, you don't have to wait for a stoppage, you don't have to create a stoppage, you just let things go, you just keep on, I love the idea of just a flow of the game where it's just, oh, here comes, and here comes this guy for, you know, here comes Kristaps Porzingis after after a Rob, Robert Williams alley-oop catch, dunk, boom. He just stays, walks off the floor. Porzingis gets up, walks in. There you go. It's not on a fast break. It's after a make. You get to come in and whatever. Or after the other team makes a basket. Either way, however you want to do it. Hockey-style subs on the fly. I want to see that. Second idea, a double bonus. I guess I'm doing a lot of hockey-inspired ones. Double bonus power play. So after five fouls, you get free throws. But how about after eight fouls in a quarter, you get a one possession power play. So you come on down, Tatum's dribbling. There's seven fouls. You're you're playing, you know, uh, you're playing the the Sixers. What the hell? And Bede hacks Tatum. It's the eighth team foul. Ball out of bounds. You, um, yeah, obviously non-shooting foul, but we're, we're like, whatever. Yeah, forget it. Whatever. Shooting foul, whatever. You give the team 
a five on four. Embiid steps off the floor. The Celtics get get to play five on four. If they score, whatever happens after the after the possession ends, Embiid comes right back onto the floor and runs on down the floor and joins them on the other end. After eight fouls, I mean, you would really want you'd really see people specifically trying not to not to foul after after eight or nine or ten, whatever the number is. But I want to see a five on four. I want to see a power play in basketball. That would be my uh I would love, I would love to see that. That'd be fun. Final question, Johnny from Boise, Idaho. How about those Connecticut Sun? Is it nice to be able to just root for a team in the postseason and not have to worry about breaking down the game for your column or a podcast? Yes, yes, yes. It's my it, it's a huge reason why I am a, a WNBA fan because, and, and I was at the Connecticut sun game against the Minnesota Lynx. They lost. I've seen them now lose twice to Minnesota. I don't know what it is me there to watch them play Minnesota. I'm not, I'm not going back that's it. And, and do or die on Wednesday for them in the first round in their first round series. Uh, that's, I was at Mohegan sun. That's where I got this cool hoodie, super cool hoodie. Uh, I love basketball. I think the women's game is is a lot of fun. I think people who dismiss it are, are just simply comparing it to the NBA, and it's not. It's a different game. It's a different style. Uh, it's if if you like college basketball, then you should like WNBA because it's played at just the same speed, probably faster in a lot of games. There's a lot of skill. There's a ton of skill on the floor. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a super fun game. I enjoy it. And I get to really lean into it because I get to go watch professional athletes, the best, uh, the best women in the world go and play. And I get to root for the team. I get to yell for a t-shirt when I'm there. I get to sit in the stands and just be a fan. And it is so much fun to do because I watch 82 Celtics games plus, you know, I can't even I lose count of other games on top of that. So it's like hundreds of games that I'm watching uh, every season. And each time I watch a basketball game, it's staring at the screen, wide-eyed, trying to see as much of the floor as I can, trying to analyze things, trying to keep, take notes and keep notes and keep, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And to be able to go to a game and be like screaming at the ref because they missed the call and being like, come on, this is in the stands. Uh, you know, all of that stuff, everything a fan does to sit in the stands and have a beer and watch a game. Like that is a lot of fun. I don't get to be a fan at many basketball games anymore. So I'll go to WNBA. I'll go to some Providence college games. Um, I, you know, I have a connection to Providence college from, you know, when I was in high school, I learned a lot. Like I honed my craft at their camps and went back and worked at their camps when I was in college. So I have, I have some connection there. Plus my wife, uh, graduated from Providence college. So we're, uh, we go to a few Providence college games from time to time. Uh, that's a lot of fun and, but that's it. That's, that's my, that's the extent of my getting to watch games as a fan. So it's, it's fun. I, I really enjoy it. I, I think 
WNBA basketball is a good time. And I'm not telling you, if you don't like it, you don't like it. That is fine. Um, if you don't like it and you hop into the comments and, and you disparage it, then you're being a jerk. Um, but I encourage if you, if you said I, I gave it an honest shot years ago and I didn't like it, I would say, give it a, give it one more honest shot because I think the game has evolved. It's grown and the athletes are good. Um, and the game is good. The game is good as a person who loves basketball. I think the game is good. I wouldn't tell you if the, if I wouldn't say it like this, if the game wasn't good. So, uh, yeah, go Connecticut sun. Um, I can't believe I just they gave up so many layups in that game. It was just just a parade at the rim for Minnesota. They could have won that game so easily. Um, but anyway, all right, that's the podcast. Thank you for being here Monday through Friday. Now we're back, baby. Daily podcast Monday through Friday. No one else, no one else is but giving you daily podcasts. No one is giving you insider access like me because I will be there for media day. I will be there at the practices. I will be there at all the games in the locker room. So I will tell you what I see. I will tell you everything that, uh, that is going on. I will give you my inside opinion, uh, from things that, that I see. And you're not getting that perspective. Certainly not five days a week anywhere else. So subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your show, your, your, your podcast. If you watch the show on YouTube, subscribe there. And I would love it if you shared the podcast, tell your friends, tell everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Locked On Celtics podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day.